0: our Savior, our Lord, and our life.
1: Hi, folks. Welcome again to the Our Resolute Hope podcast. One more time, this is John Russin. I'm here with Pastor Frank Friedman. And Frank, today we are going to have a lot of fun talking about this last topic in our Long Grace podcast series from Romans 17. And that topic is reigning in life. Now, this is kind of like a capstone concept for you, isn't it? Why is reigning in life so important, my friend?
2: Well, you know, John, I think it's twofold. One, when you think of the word reign, uh, you think of power, authority, you think of a royalty, a king, or a queen. And when we're living in a dark and desperate world that comes against us, especially with an enemy, who uses that world against us, we don't just need doctrine. We need power. And then the second thought I I think I would have is the issue of identity. Because you have to ask the question, what kind of people reign? And instantly you think of royalty. And this is a a really important thing for me, John. I try to do it everywhere I go. I, I say to people, are you willing to say you're a child of God? And they'll say, oh, yes, yes, of course. You know, John one eleven, we received Jesus. We have the authority to be a child of God. And I say, "Well, That's wonderful. It really is. But you're not going deep enough. You're not reading the Bible intensely. Let's think, who is your father if you have become a child? Well, they say, God. I said, well, who is God? He's the king of kings. What do you call the son of a king? You call him a prince. What do you call the daughter of a king? You call her a princess. And here's the key. How do princes and princesses treat themselves? With dignity and honor and respect. And how do other people treat princes and princesses? With that same dignity, honor, and respect. And John, I just believe with all my heart, we need to push this so hard into people's minds because there's so much self-deprecation. You know, they look in the mirror and they go, I'm so fat, I'm so ugly, I'm so stupid, I'm such a failure. And I wanna say, stop it. You are slandering royalty. And so, yeah, that's that's a big buzz phrase for me. I believe if we could get this into people's minds, we would not only transform their lives, but they would then be used to transform other lives. And we'd function, in tremendous honor the way God created us to.
1: Wow, man, we don't even need to go on. You wrap it up right there. That was our <laughs> And you know, you, you mentioned a dark world and struggling. And as we've walked through these past uh, podcasts on this topic, we've had a lot of really bad news. First, mm. you may recall, we began with the principle of law. And it, frankly, my friend, it permeates and ruins everyone and everything. Next came terrible news. We talked about our death in Adam, what that means. And then we followed uh, with two podcasts on flesh, how we managed to get along without God. Uh, but then the news got better. We chatted about the remedies for death in Adam, walking in the flesh, that is being crucified with Christ, receiving Christ. So we're on our way up now. And then last time we finished with the battle for our minds, what the power of sin is, how it works, and it's warfare that it wages with our sound mind, the mind of Christ. And so we're going to wrap it up with this important topic, as you said, reigning in life. And as as we begin to unpack this, one person comes to my mind as an example of someone who reigned in life, and that is Jesus. Frank, Mm -hmm. he was God, but Philippians 2 says he gave all that up how did he manage to live
2: as he did? John, that is such an important question, uh, because I think what the church generally does, and please, you know, I, I hope people who are listening. We are not badmouthing the church. We're not slandering the church. We love the church. We're in the church. But sometimes the church needs to be corrected. And I think what the church largely does is set Jesus up as an example of behavior. We say, look at what he did. And then we go try to do what he did. You remember back in the nineties, there was that WWJD. Oh yeah. What would Jesus do? And we're really missing the point at that point. We need to see how he was able to do what he did. And it's fascinating, but throughout the New Testament he says things like in John 5 without the father i can do nothing i only judge as i hear and he summed it up in in John 14 you know when he said if you guys can't believe who i am from what i say at least believe the works that i'm doing and then he lowers this bombshell they are the works of the father And so to answer that question, Jesus did what he did, not because he was God. He had voluntarily chose to not use his deity, but to function as a man. We know that from Philippians 2. So when Jesus walked on the water, if you asked him who walked on the water, he would say, well, I did, but the father empowered me to do it. So if you say, who fed the 5,000? Well, Jesus would say, the Father did it in me as I broke the bed and I broke the fish. And so this is the great uh, tension of the New Testament. And the Apostle Paul spelled it out. He said, I labored more than any other apostle. And then he quickly says, uh, it wasn't me, it was Christ. And so is it Paul or is it Christ? Yes. It's the yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You know, this is an interesting observation. It brings to mind uh, a high school Sunday school class that my wife and I taught some years ago. And we were talking about this very topic. And I asked them a question. Who was their favorite guitarist? Hmm. And I forgot their name, the the names that they all raised. So I'm going to use some of mine just to continue with the story. Eric Clapton or Steve Howe or Leo Kotke, my generation type guitarist. And I told them, imagine the opportunity that you get a phone call from Eric Clapton and says, Frank, I've heard about your guitar skill. I want to invite you to play on stage with me in downtown Chicago imagine how you'd feel. Of course, all the guys are smiling, playing their air guitars. You know how that goes with high school kids. So what they're going to do, I said, you're going to practice and practice and practice. You're going to listen to everything that Eric Clapton recorded and you're going to learn it and you can mimic it note for note. And then you're going to get on stage. And then all of a sudden, Eric says to you, hey, Frank, let's improvise, let's jam, let's play off each other. And then what do you do? Mm. Because you can't, because you focused Frank on what Eric Clapton did in the past, not who he is in the present. So you can't play as he plays. You can't live the guitar as he lives the guitar. Why? And here was the phrase I hooked them with. He was your model, not your life. Mm. So on the stage, bro, you're going to fail. Because our Jesus does so many things that are not recorded in scripture. You can't find a Jesus template for every need, but you can find an answer to every need, and that's Jesus. So does that Mm -hmm. capture what you're trying to say in a high school
2: level example? (laughs) It sure does. And I would maybe add one other thought. Um, Me, myself, the moment I got on stage, I'd be intimidated. (laughs) I'd be scared to death uh, that I would make a mistake or be outplayed by Eric Clapton. And I think that's the problem with that methodology, John, though we are putting supposedly the focus on Eric Clapton or Jesus. If we're in church, the focus ultimately is back on us and how we're. Doing, And that's the problem. I just don't think that any of us is ever up to the demand of trying to imitate God. It's hard to be God without the resources. And that's what makes the new covenant so incredible. Uh, And that's the thought that Paul never got over, was that in the new covenant, God came to live inside man. And you said it earlier. Uh, and I love that you did. You mentioned that word life. I hear from Christians all the time, John, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my savior. Sometimes Jesus is my Lord and savior. Right. But I hear very few people who understand the new covenant and will say like Colossians 3 does, Christ is my life. And, and that's the missing uh Element of the new covenant presentation in most of church today. That's right. And Frank, if you had
1: made it possible for, to unzip the zipper at the back of your neck and for Eric Clapton to climb inside of you, how would you have played mm. beyond your wildest dreams? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly in a high school level way what Christ does for us when he takes up his residence in us. He gives us the mind of Christ. This is cool because we now are able to think his thoughts, to choose as he chooses, to act as he would act. It's as if there is Jesus in a Frank body, Jesus in a John body expressed through yours and my individual personalities. And that's mind blowing, but it's absolutely stunning because that WWJD bracelet you talked about, bro? That is so far from the truth. It's nothing but a fundraiser. The real answer: We should have a plastic bracelet that says "FROG," fully rely on God. <laughs> That'd be mm. more accurate, but I don't think any of it would sell.
2: <laughs> no, and you know, to run with that illustration, John, and help you know our listeners even more to understand this. I hate to say it, ethic or economy uh, of the new covenant, you know, we don't imitate Jesus. Uh, God is not desirous of our imitating him. That he, he doesn't want a cheap imitation. In fact, if you think about it, that is exactly the lie of the garden. You, you're trying to be oh, like yeah. God. And so We are living, so many people are living under the lie of the garden, but tacking the name of Jesus on it and thinking it's okay. And that's not what God is after. He wants to express his own life, as you said it, through John, through Frank, through Mary, through Susie. And this is so incredible because now you are the John expression of Jesus. I'm the Frank expression of Jesus. It's the same life of Jesus but it looks different it comes out different and that's okay in fact it's wonderful uh to be every to have everybody acting the same looking the same talking the same would be boring and i like to think of it john as a kaleidoscope and you know god is invisible we know that but when he lives in individual members of the church, and he expresses himself uniquely through each individual in the church. The unbelieving world now can look at the church, and it's kind of like looking at a kaleidoscope, and they go, wow, so that's what God is like. And each one of us functions as a unique aspect of that kaleidoscope, and how wrong it would be for us to try to act like everybody else acts, think like everybody else thinks, and distort what God really created the church to be.
1: Wow. You know, that image of a body is so captivating. We all want to be the head, the hands, the feet, the eyes, the muscles, uh, the, the physical shape. But you know, somebody has to be a kidney. And what happens if the kidney fails, (laughs) you know, it's not glamorous. It's not pretty, but you know, getting back to your comment about uh, the composite, the kaleidoscope, the mosaic is the word I like to use. Mm. The mosaic of the body of Christ, each gift manifests itself to make a beautiful whole. I tell you, man, I want my kidney to work. I may not want it front and center on my forehead, but I want my kidney to
2: work very well. Mm yeah it's it's transformational really when you think about it john if i could steal an illustration from an old friend of mine who's now with the lord he he once said this and i'll put it in modern language if president trump showed up at grace life fellowship in baton rouge on wednesday and cleaned the toilets that would make the news on CNN, MSNBC, Fox, everybody, President Trump cleans toilets. Now, here's the question he asked. Why would that make the news? Because cleaning toilets is such a big deal? No, it's because of who's doing it. And so because we're children of God, because God is living in us, expressing himself through us, cleaning toilets becomes transformational uh being the kidney becomes headline news um you know it's a it's Christ as life functioning through you as a custodian it's Christ as life functioning through you as you change diapers it it just revolutionizes everything we do when we understand that, I'm not just doing a behavior. I'm trusting a life, experiencing a life, and expressing a life. And incredibly in the new covenant, the life I'm experiencing and expressing is Jesus. And man, this just begins to blow your mind. If we could just think correctly about who we are and who is in us, it, it would transform everything we do.
1: Yeah, instead of who we'd like to be and Mm. how we'd like to change. Uh, You said something many years ago that has stuck with me, my friend. Uh, You said, what does the the church call a man who does his best, work hard, always there when the doors open, and he tries so much to be like God? The church calls him a man of God. And then you said this, and this is the hook that stuck with me. What does God call him? (laughs) He calls him a rebel because not because he wants to be like God, but because he's denying the giftedness in him that God gave him and trying to be something that he isn't, you know, that has just stuck me and says, wow, worship is cleaning the toilets. Worship is changing diapers. Worship. Living the life of Christ. Living as a king and a queen, a prince and a princess means raking the leaves in the front yard. You know, that's that's a life-changing perspective that puts God into everything we do, doesn't it?
2: Yes, it does. Yeah, it's he's a rebel because he's trying to be like God instead of living from God. And that's one of the buzzwords I use a lot now, John, is I try to shock people, as I know you do too. And it's not to be mean or anything like that, but it's to make people think. But one of the things I will often say to people in a conversation is, I don't live for God anymore. And then they look at you like you've popped a cork. And then I say, I live from him because that's the only way to live for him, uh, is for him to express his own life in and through us. And that's really... Uh, what it's all about in, in John six fifty seven is probably one of the most profound verses in the new Testament. Unfortunately, it doesn't get a lot of press, but Jesus said these words, I live out of or from the father. And now you live out of, or from me, you know, and this goes all the way back to Genesis, which I know you love to go to all the time. There were two trees. One is a trying tree and one is a trusting tree. And it's time for the church to get out of the trying tree and get back to the trusting tree. I remember
1: a friend of ours, Malcolm Smith, many years ago told us this story, my friend. When he first began to understand the new covenant, he told us that he left the ministry for some years Mm -hmm. and did absolutely nothing, waiting, resting, thinking, studying, processing, and what came out of that pause was a totally different man with a totally different ministry, because for the first time, he was ministering from God, not for God. It goes back to the, the fact that throughout Scripture, when people have faced the change, the the gut-wrenching change that the new covenant brings to their life, frankly, they get staggered. Look at the apostle Peter in Acts chapter 10. God had to tell him three times to rise up and kill and eat. Peter's world was being turned upside down. And then a few books later in Galatians, he still was struggling with it. Apostle Paul, we all know what a dynamo he was. He took three years in arabia and damascus learning and studying with jesus before he was ready to start his ministry so it takes a long time at times to unlearn everything the church system has pounded into us and so that we're prepared to be
2: as free as jesus died to make us boy that's a tremendous word john you know it goes again back to the garden when adam ate It was the tree of right and wrong, as we've said before, the tree of performing, the tree of achieving, and you're birthed into it. Um, You know, our whole world functions under that economy. Do the right thing. Don't do the wrong thing. Be a good boy. Uh, Study hard, get the good grades. Work hard at work and you get the raise. And it's so very hard to change that mindset in the spiritual realm and learn to be a receiver instead of an achiever. And that's why this is such an incredible uh, thing to lay hold of. I'm thinking of this verse in Hebrews. You remember it. I know you do. I've heard you teach it. Labor to enter into rest. It's hard work for you and I to stop trying to achieve and learn to receive. That's hard work. <laughs> oh, indeed it is. And you know, you said a two-word
1: phrase right there, my friend, believers and achievers. And I'm sitting here thinking about the verse you quoted earlier, John six fifty-seven, when Jesus says, I live of the Father, you live of me. Now let's pause for a second and think about what exactly Jesus did before he came to that manger. Well, if we read scripture and understand it correctly, he created the universe. Mm. He holds all things together. So he's an achiever by any possible scale. And what did he do? He packed up all that achieving mindset and came down and was born as a baby and became a receiver, a complete 100% receiver. Now, I know he could have glanced back at that box of achievements and said, you know, I could do that again. Mm. You know, the Satan tempted him in that regard. But no, Jesus is the ultimate example of someone who went from from achiever to receiver, so he can basically evidence the life of God through him. And mm. I've never thought about it in that terms before, but frankly, it's staggering. I have a tremendous example. I don't have to read a book. I can just read scripture and see my Jesus who did the same thing that he
2: wants me to do now by trusting
1: him. Wow.
2: He lived the way man was designed by God to live. We were designed with God as our life source. Um, you know, I illustrated, since you did this earlier with high school illustrations, maybe we can go to junior high. Okay. Uh, if we were to look at a, uh, you know, they used to have these things called boom boxes, which was oh, basically yeah. a portable, yeah, yeah, yeah. portable radio, portable CD player. And you could plug it into the wall, unlimited power source, play beautifully, unplug it and put batteries in it. Here's the key. John, that music would play so well that if you weren't looking at that boombox, you would not know whether it was plug-in or battery. There's only one problem. The batteries aren't up to the demand and they're gonna burn out. And that's what every man does. He burns out when he tries to be like God. And God says, I never called you to be like me. I called you to plug in and draw from me, as Second Peter says, everything pertaining to life and life godliness. And godliness. And you say, right. why everything? Because you're a partaker now of the divine nature. God lives in you. That's wow. Right.
1: And so the only way we're going to be happy, no, let me rephrase that. The only way we're going to experience true joy, peace, hmm. rest, freedom, and life is if we do as Jesus instructed, live of me just as I live of the Father. My friend, this if someone is honest and they take this verse and apply it to everything they do in their daily life, it causes us to question not only what we do, but here's the hook, why we do it, what's the motive, what's the impetus behind it. Is this my flesh, as we've talked about so many weeks ago, or is this Christ in me? And only the Holy Spirit can really reveal that to us. So you live of me. I live of the Father. It's so simple, but it's a it's a puzzle. It's a challenge
2: that every one of us wrestles with every single day. Yeah. And I think if we were going to tie that up in a bow, John. Yes,
1: please do, because it's time to wrap it up. <laughs>
2: It's love. Um, it's love. Uh, the person of love has been put inside of us. And you remember the guy came to Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And oh, yes. Jesus said, oh, you're mistaken, sir. There's, there's just two, but they're they're linked. Love God, love people. And so I think the greatest thing is that finally, in the new covenant economy, With the person of love inside of us, we can finally and powerfully love. And so what I've often told people is, love God, love people, and do whatever you want. And they say, well, it can't be that simple. Why not? (laughs) Uh, If you're living from the person of love with the motive of love, what's contrary? There's nothing contrary. And now you can just be who you are, which is the Frank expression of Jesus and the John expression of Jesus. And at that point, you and I get to fulfill that incredible verse from Romans 5. Having been saved by his death, how much more so do we get saved by his life as his life expresses itself through us he saves us from ourselves. <laughs>
1: what an incredible thought. Yeah, boy, and I've been knowing you for decades and uh, you've been knowing me too and we need to be saved from ourselves <laughs> so, <laughs> so often. Oh, well, my friend, that's about all the time we have. We did not get through all that we wanted to talk about. And so uh, trusting Father, we'll be back again next time to finish up. But as we wrap this up, dear friends, thanks again for joining this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. Don't forget to check us out on our website www.ourresolutehope.com follow us on our social media platforms and remember today choose hope choose jesus
0: thanks for listening we trust that you've seen jesus today and you know that no matter what you're facing he offers you himself his own life he wants to live his life with you in you and through you as you trust him and walk by faith in this troubled world You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.